0: when we feel overwhelmed, right, we, we feel like we don't have the strength or the tools to deal with what life's thrown at us, that, that can lead to burnout. It doesn't necessarily have to, but that, that can lead to burnout. And I also, I really want to emphasize this idea that it's all connected, you know, physical, emotional, mental, it's all connected. We can. Uh, we're gonna feel it in all those in the, all those areas. And and if you're um, mentally emotionally burned out, uh, you're gonna feel it in your body. You're gonna have fatigue. You're gonna feel uh, low on energy. You know all those things. That I mean that's real. <laughs> Welcome to the Forging Metal podcast with your blacksmiths Tara O'Brien and Ron Duran Jr. Come inside and grab your hammer. The fire is hot and ready. It's time to harden the up. Let's get to work. The forge is now open.
1: Welcome back to The Forge. You've got uh, you got just Ron and I this week. Um, we, uh, we actually have a really cool topic that we want to, actually it's a myriad of topics, and that we want to bring to light this week, really because through some workshops we've been teaching uh, just recently for international business leaders and some of our one-on-one coaching, and it's just been everybody we're talking to, this topic of burnout keeps coming up. And um, and we thought it'd be kind of cool to talk about that just a little bit today, and and go into our core purpose for this podcast, which is developing mental toughness. Which we're going to clarify a little bit today on what we mean by that. But part of that developing mental toughness is about how you manage. The shit that goes on in your life, right? The stress, the burnout, the lack of motivation, the and the frustration, the um, the ability to be a good leader at work. So we're going to talk about a lot of different things on on that in that realm today.
0: Yeah, as Tara said, it's it's you guys know this. It's prevalent right now. I, I get you know I get communication from my students, uh, clients. The burnout is real. The lack of motivation is real. Uh, people, some people, I, I'll be honest, some people are just hanging on. Right now, they're hanging on, saying, "I have no motivation to do anything." And and so this is this is. I think this is a topic that resonates with a lot of us right now. Obviously, because of COVID, but again, as we always like to say on here, it's not just COVID. This is this is not a new thing. This is this has been around for a while. But let's talk about this idea of how do we. How do we maybe navigate burnout? How do we do better at it? Or, or how do we how do we combat it? I, I don't know what the word is. Maybe it's manage. Um, I, I don't like the word control because, you know, we're human beings and um, these things get off the rails sometimes. And so control does, feels a little, as, as somebody that's a, a recovering control freak, I, I don't like to use the word control. I like manage better. And so we'll talk about how do we manage that, that burnout? How do we, you know, I, I'm not here to give you a... a A magic bullet of how I'm not going to tell you that I can make you be motivated every day, all right? And I think Tara would agree. All these tools are going to help most of the time, but there's just still going to be some bad days, right? There's going to be days when we don't feel like getting out of bed. Uh, And I think we need to realize that's, that's normal. That's part of the game. Um, and it's, and we, we don't want to let that become an albatross, right? We want that to be a small bump in the road, not something that, that sucks us into maybe a vortex where one bad day turns into a lot of bad days. Which so, is I your mean,
1: mantra. Really? You say, I mean, one bad day is okay. Maybe even two bad days is okay. But, uh, a lot of what we try to share with everyone through the guests and through some of our knowledges, we want to mitigate those bad days as much as possible we want to limit them and i think that's the key it's not getting rid of them it's just limiting them
0: yeah and that's that's such a good point let's let you jump right into this idea i think you guys if if you're a regular listener you probably have an idea kind of our notion of what is mental toughness to us i mean if we if we look at a definition the one that i like to use it's a plastic personality trait uh, which determines in large part how individuals deal with stressors pressure opportunity and challenge. And so, and and this is all irrespective of the prevailing situation. So that means, you know, as COVID visits us, we we can't control that situation, but we can still have mental toughness in the face of that. You know, so whatever fate delivers to us, we we learn to You know, as I like to say, we, we dance with whatever music fate plays. And so that's mental toughness, but we also want to be very clear about our messaging on this podcast and all the work we do in webinars and teaching is that maybe a softer version of mental toughness. We want to allow for bad days. We want to allow for struggles. We want to allow for failure. These are all still. Part of mental toughness, and not everybody, you know, is gonna is gonna sell that to you. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, there, there's some people out there that, that are in the mental toughness game that that really have the messaging. They never have a bad day; they're always on, they're always strong. Our message is not that. Tara and I both have bad days, and and we want to make sure that you all realize that, that bad days are part of the game.
1: Everybody we know. <laughs> has bad days, right? If they don't
0: tell, if they don't, they don't say they have bad days, they're lying.
1: That's so true. You know, part of mental toughness in my opinion is also awareness. And I think, you know, how many of you out there say, Oh, I'm so burned out. I mean, I've probably said that hundreds of times in my life. I hear it from people, especially in this past year, I hear the word burnout so often, but how often do we actually know what that means? And how often if we were to say, what do you mean burnout, you're burned out, what does that mean? What does that feel like in your body? How does that affect you throughout the day? And I think until I actually read the definition, I was like, huh, sometimes I don't even know when I say I feel burned out what that is or where it's coming from or, oh my gosh, how to fix it, right? So I think the the first step to mental toughness is awareness. And with this busy world that we live in and with a a global pandemic and with teaching kids at home, um, going through school and dealing with the emotions of all of our friends and family, when do we have the time, a lot of us will ask, to sit and be self-aware? But I think the key is, if we can have that self-awareness, and we can realize what's happening, we have a better chance at, at tackling it. And so here's the definition for burnout, and see if any of it resonates with you, right? It's a state of, get this, emotional, physical, and mental exhaustion, caused by excessive and prolonged stress. It occurs when you feel overwhelmed, emotionally drained, and unable to meet constant demands that surround you. I don't know. (laughs) Anybody anybody else resonate with that and think, oh my gosh, I never put words to it. But yeah, that's exactly how I've felt. Oh, I don't know, for a year.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the parts to, to kind of emphasize here is, is when we feel overwhelmed, right? We, we feel like we don't have the strength or the tools to deal with what life's thrown at us. That, that can lead to burnout. It doesn't necessarily have to, but that, that can lead to burnout. And I also, I really want to emphasize this idea that it's all connected, you know, physical, emotional, mental, it's all connected. We can, uh, we're going to feel it in all those, in all those areas. And, and if you're um, mentally, emotionally burned out, uh, you're going to feel it in your body, you're going to have fatigue, you're going to feel, uh, low on energy, you know, all those things that, I mean, that's real. That's not just in our imagination. The mind body connection is real. And, uh, we, we need to make sure that we pay attention to that. And, And so the system is going to be is going to be fatigued it's going to be burned out and it's not going to perform at its highest level when we get in the state
1: and you know think about i mean we've all heard so many different um in so many different ways how just stress you know the stress of your job the stress of a move the stress of switching jobs the stress of being unemployed whatever it is stress affects our uh physical or mental health right and uh i mean 77 percent of americans Experience stress that does affect their physical health. 77%. Now, that's not the same in other countries. Americans are really good at stress, but 40% of Americans suffer from anxiety because of that stress. These are like heavy numbers and proven statistics around how stress can actually, um, affect obesity and heart disease. Even they are finding research now that it's linked to Alzheimer's, right? Diabetes, of course, depression. And here's one that a lot of people don't think about. And when I started thinking about stress back in 2015, gastrointestinal problems right your microbiome how you digest food how your how your digestive system is linked to your mind and there's so much study and research to say if you are suffering from stress anxiety depression or just overwhelm and burnout guess where you feel it first sometimes in your stomach. And you see that when you're reaching for the Tums and the Rolaids and, um, and you say, I can't eat that. This is a place to start. So it runs totally right. It, it affects you. It's a, it's a triad, right? Mental, emotional, and physical all goes together, which is kind of scary.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's funny you bring this up. If I, if I, you know, hit the rewind button to my life about five years ago, I would, my routine before I went to bed was take two Tums and a Zantec. That was how I got through the night. Wow, we were
1: living the same night and we were living the same the same life five years ago.
0: <laughs> Although, I'm gonna tell you, Tara, I don't know really, I, I don't know if it's a lowering of stress levels that's helped me, but I started exercising about that time and, and losing weight. I felt, or I, I learned that when I was a little overweight which I was five years ago, uh, that was when I started feeling all the, I mean, that's when I started having to take, you know, Zantec and, and Tums every night. As I've lost weight and I've become more active, I don't know which one's which, uh, you know, are they both driving this this mechanism? I don't, I, I, I could tell you right now, I, the times I take either one of those is almost never now. And so, just you don't think about that and I also want to go back to what Tara was saying all those numbers that we're talking about let's be very clear about this we are talking about chronic stress chronic stress is bad for us and so we're gonna start to change the conversation about not all stress is bad stress there is a certain kind of stress that not only is it good for us we're built for it and and so we, we want to change that that conversation about stress but I also want to go back to this idea of The, you know, the, the definition of burnout, it's when we get overwhelmed by demands, right? And so one of the things, you know, I I got a question in the, in one of our recent webinars from one of our, our students, uh, that asked, you know, I don't really have a lot of stress in my life. It's kind of a stress-free life. And, and should I be looking for ways to stress myself or challenge myself so I can build that muscle? You know we talk a lot about this idea we want to build your mental toughness muscle and think of it just like a muscle because it will there's a part of our brain that will grow when we practice this and so if we are feeling overwhelmed a lot how about we build our mental toughness we build that muscle so we don't get as overwhelmed as, as normal i'm not going to say that you'll be able to take any on anything in life but you're going to get better at this you know i I'm going to be honest with everybody that's listening. I am recovering from COVID right now. I don't know. I'm I'm roughly at, at the time we're airing this getting close to three weeks, I think uh, two and a half weeks, maybe in it's a, it's a crazy disease. If you've had it, you know, because I have built my mental toughness muscle. I know what it feels like to be uncomfortable. I know what it's like to be comfortable, uncomfortable. And so as I've gone through this and, and if you've gone through COVID, you know, it's uncomfortable and not to say that I didn't have the same discomfort that other people have, but I was able to form a story um, and say, this is not as bad as, as, as I think it is. You know, I didn't let it get away from me. And so, you know, the, the question from one of our students is should I look for adversity and challenges in my life? And I would say, yes. You wanna bring those on so that you can get tougher so that when the storms of life come, you are much more better equipped to deal with it like me going through COVID. Now, let me, let me just say this. Tara knows and, and a lot of my close friends know. I didn't, it wasn't like I was awesome. <laughs> I still had my moments where I'm like, okay, this sucks. Um, I had my, maybe a, a few whiny moments as well. Um, but I think I got back on track quicker than most people when I when I started to go down that path. So I think that's what we're trying to that's what our revolution is about on this podcast is we want to say, All right, how can I get better at this so that when these things come along, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to I'm ready to do battle.
1: Uh well I certainly uh you did have whiny days, that's for sure. Let's let's not lie to <laughs> you. It's a odd. bad
0: habit to break. But I, but I still, I'm, say- I'm a recovering whiner.
1: You you didn't miss a day at work uh, that I know of, um, and I was shocked by that because I'll tell you what, when I don't feel well, I am, no, I'm Netflix and hot tea and hot coffee and the world can just go away. Uh, so, But you were still fully working full days uh, throughout those couple of weeks. And what I loved is your mental awareness and how you were sharing it. Um, And I think that's probably from your training, uh, your physical training from ultra running and probably from baseball, which is, and maybe even from piloting. Being a pilot, you probably have to be aware of your physiological symptoms a lot and be super aware so that you can handle how to fix them. But I, I loved how you were bringing every day just in our random conversations together where you're like, so today, here's how I'm feeling with this. And my head is a little fuzzy here. And I think I need to hydrate more. And I think I need to take a a nap. Like you were really aware of how COVID was um, affecting you and what you needed to do to take care of yourself. I didn't feel like you were like, Tara, I'm just going to push through this and I'm going to barrel through it. And I don't care. You were like, you know what? I think today is a day that I need to just let my body rest. And I think that um, that's mental toughness at its greatest, not you showing up to work yeah. every day. It was you being mentally aware and adjusting. Whereas a lot of people would say, I'm not gonna be weak. I'm gonna push through this. I'm not, you know, and and you were like, no, today's a day I need to hydrate.
0: Yeah, you're, you're talking about what you, you mentioned earlier. It's about self-awareness, right? And I thank you for all that. Uh, you make me sound, you know, maybe more impressive. Oh, you still whined, I, I don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, we want to practice that self-awareness. Uh, I think that's a, such a key part of this. But here's the thing. Here's an example of, of my thought process as I was going through this. I think at one point I told Tara... I feel like I'm at about 30% capacity. You know, I was always doing a little bit of an assessment of, okay, where am I at? Of course, that's that's just my my, my assessment. I don't know. You know, there's nothing to, nothing, no metrics that I have to, to say that's real or, or not. But I was like, okay, I feel like I'm at about 30% capacity. So you can imagine trying to go through your day at 30% capacity. And what I mean, it's not just, I mean, a lot of it's cognitive, but it's also physical as well. The, the, the reason we started this podcast, the reason we're passionate about this is we've tapped into this and we want all of you to tap into it as well. So I, my story to me was not, Oh shit, I'm 30%. I'm so depleted. I, you know, I, I can't function. I said, huh, I'm 30%. What if I could perform at my normal level on 30% capacity? Wouldn't that be a great challenge? That's the way I looked at it. And, and some days I succeeded, some days I didn't. Most of my students and my clients, I was still coaching, I was still teaching, had no idea that I had COVID. Um, I told them later in the game, and they said, oh my gosh, we didn't even know. And so I think I pulled it off, at least in short you know, short, short stretches where, where I could say, okay, I can function at 100% with only 30% you know, of my capacity. So that was, again, instead of me dreading this and seeing it as a threat as seeing it as a negative, I said, oh, this is going to be fun. Let's see what I can do with this this challenge that I have. Certainly not a challenge I welcomed, not a challenge I wanted, but I still said, what can I do with this to kind of have fun with it and maybe, you know, get some good out of it. And here's the thing. I feel like I'm at about 70% now and I feel like Superman, <laughs> Once you can once you can make that happen at 30%, once you get to 70%, it's like holy moly, this is this is great. And so these are all the tools that I use. And and these are tools that as as things come up in your life that just let's let's be honest, that suck. There's gonna be things that suck. And we can we can whine about it and we can go into you know negative and you know the negative downward spiral and despair and, and say life's not fair. I did have a moment of that. I had a friend that I text and I go, God, this sucks. This is not fair. Again, get out of that and and change the story, you know, change the story. How can I look at this as actually a good thing? How can I use this as, as a way to get stronger?
1: And we're gonna we're gonna go into in this podcast uh, a couple of tips and tricks that we've uh, used, stolen from other way smarter people, on mitigating and uh, noticing burnout and how to kind of change the story. Like Ron was saying earlier, because it's it's it incredibly powerful. Uh, so we'll share some of those before we get there. Ron, I want to go back really quick and ask you. I know your life changed massively five years ago. Um, put yourself back like six or seven or eight or nine or ten years ago did you have the same mental toughness
0: absolutely not and that's kind of what what set me off on this journey I, I think I may have shared this in a previous podcast but I woke I, I just it was it was kind of like a, a moment where I woke up and said man I mean when I was a young man you know high school I was a high school wrestler uh, there's there's no better proving ground you can't convince me there's any better proving ground than being a high school wrestler with mental toughness. I was tough back then. And I think, you know, through my twenties it started to bleed off and then, you know, thirties and forties I, I was, I turned into this soft person and I uh, had, you know, very minimal mental toughness. And, and that was kind of my, again, we go back to self-awareness. I finally it finally dawned on me although I went through a lot of my life not even realizing that I was slipping into this and I also didn't realize that slipping into this mode of being you know usually in the in the literature you're gonna hear it called mentally sensitive not mentally weak Um, but but I didn't realize I was slipping into being mentally sensitive Um, and I also didn't I didn't realize the cost of that and so the self-awareness I just one day woke up and sometimes we have a catalyst, right? I'll be honest. I was breaking off an engagement. Uh, there was a, there was a lot of catalysts that that you know maybe call it a midlife crisis. I don't, I don't like that word, but a midlife awakening. I don't know. There were some things in my life that triggered this, but I also had to have that self awareness to say, wait a minute, is this the person I want to be? Am I proud of who I am right now? And that was. Me opening my eyes to, no, I wasn't proud. And I wasn't happy that I had become so soft. And then I started down the road. And it was a hard journey to build that mental toughness back up. But you all can do it. Um, Many of the things we talk about and our our amazing guests, you see it from all walks of life on this podcast, right? Just such a diversity of guests that have done hard things, that, that have figured it out and have found fulfillment. And if you like the word happiness, they found happiness. I like fulfillment better, but they found that through doing hard things. And that's our message here is don't shy away from that, actually embrace the hard things. And so, I don't know, Tara, are, do you have a similar story of, did you ever go through you know a, a mode of life where you started to get maybe soft? Because I mean, in your military background, holy moly, you had to be mentally tough with all those things you did. It was a
1: different kind of mental toughness, Ron. (laughs) It was a uh, adapt, overcome, and compartmentalize your entire life so that you can push forward. (laughs) That was the uh, David Goggins version of mental toughness back then. Uh, Yeah, um, I'd say I had two probably massive changes in life. One was leaving the military at the age of 32, and know that I was not a... um, combat oriented military person. I was a television journalist, so that sounds a little fluffy, but I was thrown into a lot of combat situations with my video camera and my microphone trying to cover the story. So I got to see it. I didn't participate in it, but I got to be in it and see it, uh, which is um, a very unique experience. Uh, And so you get to see what people are going through not just the soldiers that you're there to do a story on but the civilians in these countries Um, and there are a million levels of mental toughness going on between all of these people and yourself but i think back then you compartmentalize a lot and so one of my big life shifts was leaving the military and realizing i didn't have to compartmentalize and push through uh struggles or pain but i could actually take time to become self-aware that's a, that's an interesting that's an interesting mountain to climb well, when well, you decide to become self aware. Let me
0: tell you. <laughs> did, yeah did did you feel like you had to uh, to hold that in, show no Absolutely. weakness?
1: Absolutely. And you know part of that's military training, which makes a lot of sense. Um, if you're going to experience the life that the military provides you, even outside of wartime, it is necessary, in my opinion. It is necessary for some of that conditioning, um, and it works really, really well. Um, but it's only necessary in that environment. It's not necessary once you leave that military environment. All but right, yes, let, let's, you, know, let's you unpack need it. This. You need it back. You need it in let, the military. Let's,
0: let's unpack this. Right now, I'm doing a challenge that that some of you probably are familiar with. It's it's you know. I think the challenge actually is do 22 pushups a day for 22 days, something like that for veteran suicide. And, and I'm doing that with, with some friends of mine. I'm, I'm not hitting every day because of my COVID taking me out of commission, but um, I'm doing my best. And so this is a real thing, right? Veteran suicide is a real thing. And, and so I wonder if there's a connection here of tamp down those feelings. Don't show emotion. And is there a connection with with veteran suicide? And so I, you know, I talk to my students. All you got to let it out. We talk about emotions. I just I just did a lecture with my students talking about emotions. And and so when do we show it? When do we hold it back? I think, and this is going to start to get into the world of um, emotional intelligence. And Absolutely. So, you know, but. I, I, I very much, uh, very strongly counsel my students find a way to let it out. Suppressing your emotions, we we probably know this is not healthy. Now, in a moment where maybe it's a crisis situation, combat situation, you're going to suppress that because it, it's not going to be helpful. There's such thing as emotional contagion, and if you panic, people around you are going to panic. So we we know this from from a, a lot of psychology and neuroscience, but at, at after that moment is over, you got to find a way to get it out. you got to get it out. And so I don't know about you, Tara, but one of the best ways for me to do that is journaling. Um, some other ways that I would recommend is talking to a friend. Get it out that way. Talking to a therapist. I had a student say, you know, I asked my students, I go, What's a great way to do this and, and he almost wanted to apologize well, maybe you, you go see a therapist. I'm like no, no, maybe no apologizing. there's nothing wrong with that. I've gone to a therapist I would go to a therapist again. sometimes we need that. So journaling talk to a, a close friend. Um, you know therapy is a great way. Exercise is a great way um, but but find a way to discharge that emotion because we don't want to bottle it up and carry it around. We know from, all kinds of research. That is not good for our health. And so I don't know, Tara, if if did you feel like did you have a way to discharge that and uh, number one. And number two, did you feel like it was it was weighing you down if you bottled it up?
1: No, I mean, I wasn't aware. Uh, I was in the military from twenty to thirty two years old. And these are you know, these are difficult years to be self-aware anyway. Um, and uh, everything is about the experience and and just doing, doing, doing and sleep, which we're going to talk about here in a few minutes, not important. Sleep is not important. Sleep when you're dead. You don't sleep when you're young. Um And so, you know, I wasn't self-aware of any of the problems it was causing me. Um, and I know to answer your question, it did not have a way to release. Uh, I think I did that through extreme sports, you know, um, rock climbing or surfing or, uh, scuba diving. And I was always searching for the adrenaline rush. And I think that might've been my unaware release. Uh, but no, this is where the military fails. Um, and, uh, this is a whole other podcast. <laughs> This is where the military fails. They teach you to compartmentalize and hold it in, which again, I say is very important for that job, but they do not teach you how to release. They don't teach you while you're in uniform how to release. And they certainly do not teach you how to release when you leave the military. And this goes back to your veteran suicide. Veterans Um, I mean, we don't actually know why people commit suicide because they're no longer really around to tell us, but I can tell you from working with veterans and listening to them, uh, having gone through some of the emotions that they share myself, um, when you're taught very, very well to bottle up your emotions, which I have some friends currently that have been taught to bottle their emotions and they never stepped foot in the military. When you're taught to do that, and it is now your habitual way of doing things, um, if you don't have a way to release, you will find illness. You will find problems in relationships. You will find dissatisfaction in life, and you won't know why. And that's what happens to a lot of military veterans. They leave this conditioning with no way to release and become different and it's it's very mentally confusing, and so they they don't. But I the the veterans that do overcome this do it through journaling and therapy. Um, they do it through volunteering. Uh, I know a lot of uh, uh, veterans that go on to be firefighters or um, you know work with animals or you know work in farming. These things are very therapeutic. And I don't think it's just for veterans. Like I said, I've got a a friend right now who's learned his entire life how to bottle his emotions. And I think some of these therapy areas could help there as well.
0: Uh, Yeah, it's unfortunate to say, but I noticed you said he. You know, we're oh, taught. Oh, I know. I, I, I come. I come from a generation. Well. You know, if anybody knows my age, I'm, I'm getting up there a little bit. No, I come from a generation. Big boys don't cry, right? Yeah, uh, it's so we, true. We, we, we don't show tears. We don't show emotion. We don't show weakness or soft softness or any of that. That's what we're taught as young boys. Uh, by the way, when I asked my students, okay, what is a good way to discharge emotion? One of them, one of my young male students said, sometimes I cry. And I'm like oh I'm so glad you said that I do too and and I'm I I used to I really really used to be self-conscious about that as a younger man and now I own it I I own it and right
1: um, yeah there's nothing wrong it's
0: a great discharge by the way of if you want to get those emotions out sometimes a good cry is what we need Um, this is a conversation about taking care of our mental health that's what this is about so it, it's a discussion that I think we all need to have. And so Tara talked about this idea of sleep. How do we sleep? You know, one of the things you're probably thinking already, all right, I'm on board, burnout is, is not a good thing and, and I feel burned out and, and I, what do I do about it? So let's start to kind of give you some tools uh, that, that both Tara and I use uh, that might be new to you, hopefully, maybe not, but but let's talk about some of these. One of them is sleep. And, and you know, we, we have this idea Especially in the United States, especially if you're young, that as Tara said, if you remember, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I actually have said that saying as well, especially when I was a younger man. Uh, you know, sleeping is a waste of time. And and uh, if you oh wanna, yeah, me too. Yeah, you want to get to the top and make your million. At least when I was young, it was make your million. Now it's probably make your ten million. I don't know. Um, if you want to do all of that, you you know, you wanna you wanna start reducing the time you sleep. And oh my goodness, is that not a good approach? And I know that's a tough sell for for the younger generation, but, but I tell my students all the time, get your sleep. Um, and so what happens when we sleep? It's a very active process. Many people don't know. It's a very active process in our brain. Uh, We think a lot of people think when we go to sleep our brain goes to sleep and it just it just you know Either stops, you know doing anything or it's very much in a maybe a, 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 a Hibernation kind of a state and that's not it's absolutely not true. It's a very active process We are consolidating the things we learn throughout the day that happens when we sleep there's some toxic neurochemicals that build up in our brain um, as we go through the day, it's almost like all of these these pathways in our brain get clogged up with you know I'm not going to get into neuroscience here but for for it gets clogs up with a lot of crap right and so as we sleep that clears it, there's there's a fluid that that circulates through our brain that clears it all out and gets us prepared for our next day and so I like to look at it as if you want to think of it as a zamboni on the ice. So if you go to a hockey game and you watch the the skaters chop up the ice with their skates and it gets all, you know, it's rough and, and, and all those things. And then the Zamboni comes out and smooths it all out. And now you're ready for, you know, to chop it all up again. So as you sleep at night, think of that as your Zamboni, uh, maybe, maybe smoothing over your ice, your brain, getting it ready for, for the, the rest of the game. And so as we get up in the morning, we are, we're, we're, recharge ready to go and there are just all kinds of things that come out of that better decision making less uh less violence uh we don't get as upset with people we're less negative um on and on i could i could i could i could give you a whole slew of things that happen when we're low on sleep um and, and some of you if you're paying attention know this right when you're low on sleep Do you seem to be short with your temper? Do you have more arguments maybe with your significant other? Are you more irritable? Are you more agitated? Why are we agitated? What's agitation? It's a stress response. So we're low on sleep. That's a stressor for our body. Now we become agitated in in response to that. So all of these things, you know, a lot of people don't realize. They go through life getting three, four hours of sleep, and they, they, they don't understand why they're quick to get upset. Uh, they only see the negative in, in life and just all these things that's going on, and they're not even they're not even making the connection that all they need to do to fix this is get more sleep. Isn't that crazy?
1: It is and it's funny, and so many people still don't believe it, even though there's all the scientific research that's like been out for the last couple of years to prove how important sleep is. And it's not even just, okay, yeah, it's taking care of my body, but I don't have time to do that right now. It's kind of the people that say, and I say people, I do this even with things today. I, don't, I, I will totally start working out, just not yet. I don't have time right now. Or I will totally start hiking every single Saturday, but not this month. I'll I'll take care of myself. I'll start eating better, I promise. I just need to get through these next three weeks that are super busy first. So I, I totally get how we can do the same thing with sleep, except think of it in a different way. If that's you, if you say, that's all great, but that's taking care of me and that's my least concern right now. I've got kids, I've got work, I've got COVID, I've got this. Think of it in this way instead. Don't think of sleep as taking care of yourself. Think of sleep as if you get the right amount, scientifically proven, by the way, you're better at taking care of your kids. You're better at your job. You're better at the work you're doing. You're more creative. You are going to um, surpass the person who's in line with you for a promotion. You're going to be a better significant other. You're going to be a better friend and community member. Think of it like that, because sometimes we don't always want to take care of ourselves. But if taking care of everything else around us is more important, tell yourself that story. Um, And it makes me think of, you know, deep work. If you've heard this, there's a ton of research and books out on deep work or the four hour work week, right? If we really focus well for a few hours, we get more done than if we work hard on 18 different projects throughout the day. If we focus on one thing for a few hours, we're so much better than if we focus on 18 things for a few hours. We're more productive. Think of sleep in that sense. And we talked about this in a fabulous podcast. I think it was uh, podcast number five with John Fitch, right? Creating a rest ethic to match your work ethic. Um, He has a great book out there uh, called Time Off right? And this all goes hand in hand with time off is not just about taking vacations. Time off is about really recharging so that you can actually be 10 times better at everything you do all day. And if we get five hours of sleep, imagine, I mean, we all plug our cell phones in, right? Every day we plug our cell phone into the wall because of why? Because it has to recharge. When do we do that for ourselves? Why don't we do that? We deplete our battery life as well, which means we start functioning at lesser strength, at lesser, slower speed. So when we plug ourselves back in at night for the eight hours, the same as our cell phone needs, we actually function better the next day with everything we do. Forget about the fact that you're taking care of your mind and body, right? We actually are better. Think about it when you are only on three or four hours of sleep. Isn't the next day hell versus an eight hour sleep? So that's that's how I like to look at it sometimes.
0: Yeah. And a lot of people say, Well, I, I can I can do this. You know, I'm used to it, right? And people will push back on me and say, Yeah. I, I only
1: need I, five hours.
0: I only need four or five hours and, and I've been doing this for years. And I would say you are in a diminished state and you don't even realize it. You've been doing it so long. You have no idea what you're capable. Mm-hmm. I, I I would say let's practice. Let let's let's do a thought experiment and let's get you eight hours of quality sleep a night and let's see if your performance goes up. I can almost guarantee it will. Uh, th- there's nothing that that points to this idea that you're going to perform better on less sleep than than more. Now we can't go too far. I, I want to be very careful about this. That uh, there is evidence to say that too much sleep is not good either. We totally. want to quite honestly all the research that I've seen is seven to nine hours, uh, usually skewing towards seven to eight hours, uh, and, and everybody's just a little bit different, but I, I, I try to make sure I do not go under seven hours, unless it's a very special occasion. Um, every now and then you know, life gets in the way and, and I get a little bit less, but I would say 98% of the time, I get seven hours of sleep every single night, and I try to make it quality sleep. And there's things that you can do to to set yourself up for quality sleep. Um, you know, I like to get away from screens at least an hour before bedtime. I have a, a routine that I go through before I go to bed. Uh, I don't sleep with my phone next to me, you know, little things like that. Uh, certainly I use a weighted blanket. I ha- I pay a little extra for a nice mattress. Uh, I like to keep my room cool. These are all things that I've experimented with throughout my life to to make the sleep environment more conducive to to getting in good quality sleep and you can play around with these uh, and, and see what works with you you know some people like to really make sure all light you know you have a very dark bedroom all light is, is, is kind of extinguished uh, that doesn't bother me as much but but you can play around with that um, so I guess where I want to go with this is, is like Tara said Not only the sleep thing, but but self-care. If you don't like that idea of self-care, if that's weakness to you, like like Tara said, change the story to say, I'm going to perform at a higher level if I can take care of that.
1: This is a quick break to say if you or your workmates, your friends, family, any of you are experiencing burnout, overwhelm, trouble being productive, you might find yourself being distracted or exhausted, or quite frankly, just plain unmotivated, Ron and I want to invite you to join us on June 10th for a workshop on how to work with stress, anxiety, and fear so that you can create a better life. You see, these three things are inevitable. We are all going to experience stress, anxiety, and fear no matter what. But the game changer is learning how to manage them and even to the point of shaping them so that they can work for us rather than against us. So if you want to learn more, come join us. Click on the workshop link in the show notes and reserve your seat for the June 10th workshop with Ron and I on working with stress, anxiety, and fear for a better life. We'll see you there.
0: here's the thing we get so wrapped up in this idea of quantity over quality we think if I want to (laughs) uh, conquer the world working 20 hours a day is gonna get me a lot further down that path than six hours a day makes sense right how in the world can you tell me are you gonna convince me that I can do as much good work in six hours as I can in 20 no way Ron well, I'm going to tell you that the research says that absolutely. We drop off. We don't even get to 8 hours where our productivity starts to drop off before we even get to 8 hours. In fact, I think and I don't know Terry if you know this, but I think it's around 6 hours where we start to peak. And so between 6 hours and 20 hours if you continue to work, all you're doing is going downhill. And is that the way you want to, number one, spend your life? And number two, you're not getting as much done as you think you are. You're wasting time. Yeah. Is what so you're doing. so you're look at quality. Yeah. yeah. Quality over quantity. And um, where I, do
1: we see this the most, Ron? This is a great way to put it into perspective is with coaching entrepreneurs, startup companies, right? Uh, you know, you got two co founders that are building an app or a company. Um, they're usually in their 20s or 30s. Sometimes they're in their 40s or 50s, but they're typically in their you know, mid to late 20s and early 30s. And they're working 80, 90 hours a week. And guess what? The ones that are working 80 or 90 hours a week, and tell me if, I mean, I don't know the what happens in your one-on-one coaching, but I'm sure it's the same as mine. We hear the, but I've got to work 15 hours today. I've got to work that for the next, oh, I don't know, three years. Seven days a week. Seven days a week. And uh, yeah, I got divorced because my wife wouldn't put up with it. And I say wife because we coach mostly male entrepreneurs. Um, And uh, I'm not spending time with my kids or gosh, I can't remember the last time I went camping. I used to love to do that. here's the thing. These are the companies that we see sitting stagnant and not scaling and not going places most of the time. They're stuck. Why can't we get funded? We've been fundraising for three years. (laughs) That's a problem. Why can't we? We can't get the clients. We can't get the customers. We can't, can't, can't. And my thought is you're burned out. You have not charged your battery. And so you're operating at 20%. Do you, do you see that with your, your Oh
0: gosh, I have a a story of one of my clients that, that fits all of what you just talked about. And and actually somebody that we both know, uh, that got shingles. And, and Mm -hmm. I, and the first thing I said to him in my coaching session, I go, you know, what's a, a kind of a driver It's not always, but, but a driver of shingles is is stress. And so we started talking about, okay, what do you do to release the pressure valve? What, What do you have anything in place? You know, he was working long hours, seven days a week kind of thing. And he said, I don't want to make fun. Uh, I'm not making fun of him. But I but I, I had to chuckle when he said, well, I try to find time to go to the gym, but I carry my phone with me. And I said, wow. So that is your moment to recharge as you go to the gym, but you have to have your phone with you. I go, what would happen if you went to the gym and you actually left that that, that phone in the locker? What would that look like? <laughs> He looked oh, at me like God. like I was crazy. Like you were crazy. Yeah, I got to be available every minute of every day. And I, I go, is that true?
1: No. What
0: would happen if maybe you were offline for 45 minutes uh, or, you know, half hour? I told him, I go, we got to find a time frame where you, here's the thing. And, and I think that he didn't realize this until we started talking about it. Having that phone on you is a stressor. Oh my gosh. Right? Just even totally. if nothing happens on that phone while while you're carrying it, it's a stressor. Especially if you're you're a, somebody trying to start a business. So just having that with you can be a stressor. And so these are the little subtle things that I think people don't get. We need to unplug from that. We need to get away from that. And so what's happening here is you are sympathetically activated and, and I don't want to go too far into the neuroscience here, but this is your sympathetic nervous system. This is the part of our, our nervous system that controls fight or flight. And so when we are sympathetically activated by chronic stressors, we see everything in the world as a threat. And and we had Patrick Sweeney. We had a previous guest, Patrick Sweeney that, you I know, in his just 30s, thinking about
1: Patrick. <laughs>
0: in his thirties. He's building companies. He's building empires and making his millions and driving fancy cars and flying around in private jets. You know, all that stuff. But he was a mess, not only from the stress, but bad diet. Let's talk about that in a minute here, but but he wasn't eating well. He was drinking too much. And oh by the way, he got he got leukemia. Um, thankfully, he blames it on
1: that stress, Yeah.
0: thankfully survived, but I, and he would agree. And I I think he's on, on the right path that his lifestyle created that cancer in him. And if you, you know, I think Tara said it, if you keep, if you keep abusing your health, it will catch up to you one day. And, and do we, is that where we want to, is that how we want to live our life? Do we want to manifest cancer in us, even if we survive? Is that is that worth building your empire? Is that worth, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead? I don't know. To me it's the calculus is not there. It's not there. And I know a lot of people just don't don't want to buy into that, but take care of yourself, whether it's through sleep, nutrition, hydration. We haven't talked about that, but those are those are things that we need to to look at um, and how often do we just ignore that?
1: totally want to talk about nutrition um and hydration before we get into talking about the mentalness we've been talking a lot about physical with sleep and recharging um but we definitely want to talk about the mental and emotional side of burnout as well first though well let me just say following up with rick ron said patrick sweeney has an amazing story and he was uh podcast number 19 for us but he has a great book out there called fear is fuel Um, Check that out. He left the startup world, got better from leukemia. Um, The guy has hiked some of the tallest mountains on the planet. He's raising his kids in the most amazing way and teaching them mental toughness and strength and resilience. Uh, Just a great story. Check him out. Fear is fuel. And before we move on to nutrition and hydration, which is like a really fun topic for me, um, let me give you, and I'm totally pulling this from one of my newer favorite books which is by um, Ariana Huffington. Uh, She has, uh, you know, from the Huffington Post, she has a new book that just released uh, a week, a couple weeks ago called Your Time to Thrive. And her first book really goes into, you know, she was standing at her desk, I think she was in her 40s. And, all of a sudden uh, passed out, hit her head, cracked it open on her desk, fell down, and it took her going into the hospital to realize that she wasn't sleeping, eating, or taking care of herself, and she almost died. Uh, That created a movement for her to start um, learning more about taking self-care, Uh, She started becoming hugely known for self-care of her employees, or not self-care, but promoting self-care to her employees, and this is her whole mantra in life right now, and this book is very specifically written around COVID, in my opinion. Um, She brings it up quite a bit. It's super good and has a ton of action steps. Rather than just talking about the problem, she gives you some great new ways to change habits. And I'm just gonna give you a taste from her chapter on sleep, which is fabulous. Um, she brings in a lot of famous people, you know, Tom Brady is in this chapter about how um, these people have become self-aware and how it's changed their lives. But at the end of every chapter, she has a little section called micro steps. That's the theme of this book is micro steps. Cause we, we never want to change habits Ron, I know you have strong feelings on this and New Year's resolutions, which I hate. We never want to change habits in big, giant ways because we always fail. We almost always fail. And then that's really disheartening. And then we don't want to do it anymore, right? I'm going to lose 20 pounds New Year's Day. And it doesn't happen within the first three weeks. So we quit. How about just saying, I'm going to go for a 10-minute walk, every day. That's a lot more achievable. Micro steps is scientifically proven to be the way to change habits and her micro steps for sleeping better. Cause a lot of us struggle to even fall asleep, right? First of all, get the TVs out of your bedroom. Let me just tell you that I've never had a TV in my bedroom for this specific reason. It's terrible. It's the worst thing you can do. And now it's our phones. Wait a minute. Do we have to have a TV in every bedroom or every room?
0: Only Kitchen, in America. kitchen bathroom, um, <laughs> bedroom. I, I, I'm, I'm laughing, but there are people Sauna. that have a TV in every room.
1: Unbelievable. Americans are the only ones that do that. Um, but your device before you go to bed, I put mine on airplane mode. I've only been doing that for maybe about a year, year and a half. If you are still allowing your body to wake up in the middle of the night because you hear your text message or LinkedIn or Facebook notification go off, oh my gosh, (laughs) please
0: stop Turn those off.
1: Turn that. Oh my God. That's terrible. There's nothing that is, don't be a slave to your phone for Pete's sakes. Like. Love yourself enough to say, no, yeah. I, I have this boundary. So turning your device off, she even suggests putting it outside of your bedroom. I don't do that. I just put it on airplane mode. Um, set an alarm 30 minutes before you go to bed to say enough with the phone, no more social media, literally the, the, the reminder reminds you to stop and start kind of your night routine, whatever that is. Take a bath. your
0: Yeah, it's a transition for your it's brain. A transition. You got to let that brain start to move from I'm awake and I'm, I'm going and I'm stimulated and now I want to transition into let's prepare my brain for sleep. And so I, I use an hour. Ariana says half hour, but but experiment with what works for you.
1: Um, sleep apps. I have a a sleep app called sleep cycle, which is kind of fun. It's, it's gamified sleep for me and I get to do a sleep audit. I get to, it's the first thing I look at after I get out of bed and shower, I'm like, let me see how my sleep audit went for last night. It's just kind of fun. Um, and it motivates me to, to get better sleep as I'm holding my coffee up right now at 10 o'clock in the morning, my time, uh, set a caffeine cutoff. I lived in Europe for so many years where we drank espresso after dinner. That was just the way it is. So caffeine doesn't really affect me past a certain time of night, but most people it does. And so if it does, set a cut off, otherwise that's gonna keep you up until one, two, three in the morning. Um, you know, making your, your bedroom a sanctuary of quiet. Uh, Ron, you said that you like to keep your room cool. There's, It's actually one of her microsteps with proof that uh, um, that that you know actually lets you stay asleep. I will. How many of you wake up in the middle of the night, overheated, right? It, your body will wake you up if the temperatures are too hot. Um, you know you can get into doing things like reading before you go to sleep. That always puts me to sleep. Chamomile or lavender tea. Some people you know, meditating. Will, yeah, some people will meditate. And then here's a new one I've been doing. So. I'm pro-gratitude journaling, and we talked about this with some of our business leaders in our recent webinar this week. Uh, I'm pro-gratitude journaling, but I realize that no matter what country you live in, people still view gratitude journaling as a 1970s hippie thing to do, oh, I'm a flower child, so grateful for whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's so yoga, it's so guru. I don't think of it that way. I really don't. I think of it as rewiring your brain, right? We talk a lot about changing the narrative, changing the story, taking control over your thoughts. When you go to bed freaking out about anything, parenting the next morning, about the meeting that you are, you know, the presentation you have, about all the emails that you didn't get to, about uh, how am I going to pay for the kid's college? When you go to bed thinking like that, you are totally screwing yourself for a good night's sleep and for the next day. And it just perpetuates. It goes on and on and on and on. Right. Um, I know people that have night and morning anxiety, like panic attacks when they go to sleep and when they wake up in the morning because of these stressors, that is nothing but the story in your head and you are allowing that anxiety to unfold. I say, just change the narrative to, what was so awesome today? What am I excited about tomorrow? It's kind of tricking your brain. So gratitude journaling to me is tricking your brain. It actually puts me to sleep. And I wake up feeling great. So try it. Just, you know, if you think it's weird, don't tell anybody about it. Just make it your own special secret.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I used to be the guy that thought that was all touchy feely crap. Um, and I, gosh, I let's, let's just start with this. Tara is right on. I've read a lot of research on gratitude. Overwhelmingly, is it effective? And so what it's doing, I mean, there's some good things. Number one, so it's easy. It's easy to do. Um, I, for a long time, I did a a gratitude journal. I still practice gratitude, but I don't do it in, in quite the formal way because I think I've trained myself to look for it. Here's something that may surprise you. Our neurobiology. It's not designed for gratitude. Our neurobiology is to look for threats in our environment. That is what it's trying to do. So it's always on the lookout for the negative, right? That's why we gravitate toward news headlines that are negative. All of the things that that we get sucked into usually are negative things. And we're just, it's like we're drawn, our brain is drawn to that. Well, I mean, let's not be too critical of our brain. It's trying to keep us alive. And so that's his job is say, look for threats, look for threats, look for threats. We want to start to change that. We can change that. And so we want to develop a new habit. And and that's where gratitude journaling comes in. There's two things that are going to happen when you start gratitude journaling. Number one, you're going to focus on the good things in your life. and, And if you have breath in your lungs, there's something good in your life, all right? If you say, well, my life sucks and I don't have nothing to be grateful for. I'm going to say, try harder. Because there's something there, if you're still breathing, you have something to be grateful for. So number one, it's gonna teach you to focus not only in the moment on gratitude, but when you do a gratitude journal, let's say, you know, I do this every morning. When I used to do it, it was every morning. And as I went through my day, I go, okay, what am I gonna put in my gratitude journal tomorrow? So I was on the lookout all through my day of what can I write in my journal that I'm grateful for? So, So it's, it's not only helping you as you write it down in your journal but it's helping you throughout the day and in time this becomes a habit now instead of looking for the negative we're looking for the positive we're looking for what is what is great going on right now and and just to hammer this point home I had one of my students ask me um, he said how you know sometimes I get off the cuff Questions and I love this for my students, but he says how do you get through a bad day professor Durant?" and you know I'd never been asked that before and without hesitation. I said gratitude When gratitude really becomes powerful is when you're having a shitty day stop just stop pause and say What can I be grateful for right now? Even if it's just uh, you know taking a breath of sweet air into my lungs. I can say ah, you know, I'm healthy I just took a breath I'm still alive, I'm still in the fight, maybe that's all you need. And that will make you, it won't solve your problems, it's not a panacea, it's not a cure-all, but it's gonna elevate your mood. I promise you, if you can find something to be grateful for, it will elevate your mood. And so, I'm with Tara. This is this is a big one, practice this. Again, the reason I don't do it now is because I feel like I've programmed myself. I, I all I, I go throughout the day looking for things to be grateful for. Um, sometimes it's hard sometimes on a really bad day. It's a little tough, but you can do it. You can do it. You can find something uh, out there to be grateful for. It's a great, I hope you guys are following. This is an antidote to burnout. Okay. I hope you guys are seeing the connection here. This is one of the great tools for working with burnout and, and maybe, um, kind of heading that off.
1: And I, you know, I got to put out there because I, I think I was victim to this Many years ago, we are not victim to burnout. We are not, something is not happening to us. I'm so burned out because, you know, my boss is making me work so hard. I'm so burned out because my home life is a a mess. I'm so burned out because COVID is ruining everything on the planet. Uh, We are not victim to this. We are victimizing ourselves. And I know that sounds really harsh. Um, I have been guilty so many times, we are victimizing ourselves in letting that narrative burn us out. And so everything we're talking about here is how do we change the narrative? How do we become more aware um, so that we are no longer a victim to it? We are in control. We are managing. We are in control of, yeah, uh, the world is crumbling around me. Amazingly enough, I am not burned out. Versus the person standing right next to, next to us going through the exact same thing that is that person, you know, that just whines and complains and bitches all day, bringing everybody else around them down, right? It's just narrative. We now want to talk really quick about, before we get into mental and emotional side of burnout, um, the physical aspect that is not about narrative, which is nutrition, exercise, and hydration the things that we put off because we just don't think they're that important. Except I have been horrible, still am, very bad at hydrating. My entire family is this way. I have now had to set an alarm on my phone to tell me to hydrate throughout the day. My sister has to wear a Fitbit that tells her to hydrate throughout the day um, because hydration completely alters our mental state. Isn't it crazy to think that not hydrating can cause depression. Not hydrating can cause you to be angry. These things are true. And not hydrating, think about it, your brain needs water. I When I'm starting to feel a little off and I'm like, God, oh, I can't concentrate, I go and down two glasses of water. I know that's what's going on.
0: Um, I'm starting to slowly get on board with this idea. I mean, one of the, one of the biggest drivers of fatigue is dehydration oh, totally? Um, and so, if you're not, you know, you're feeling like your energy levels are going down, drink some water. Uh, You know, as Tara said, if you can't concentrate, maybe it could be food, but it could be, it could be just a matter of taking, getting some water in you. I know if I get really dehydrated, I'm going to get a headache, and I can almost always, if I feel that coming, you know, that headache's coming on, and I think it's because I'm dehydrated, I can drink some water. I don't need yeah, Advil, I don't need Tylenol. No. I just drink some water, and it goes away. isn't that crazy yeah
1: we don't need drugs
0: a lot of times we just need to take care of ourselves by drinking enough water so i'm going to leave it to you to decide what enough water is you're going to feel better when you're more hydrated when you're getting good food in you our brains use how much of our i mean how much of our daily calories does our brain use this this little thing between our ears Roughly about two to three pounds. It's not very, you know, the the mass of our brain compared to the rest of our body is very small, but it uses about roughly about 20% of the calories we burn in a day. All right. It's very, uh, it's very energy hungry. It needs, it needs uh good food. And so when you're suffering from, you know, again, you're not thinking straight, you're not making good decisions. Think about water. And think about food. Now again, the brain likes glucose, so just be careful with this idea of okay, Ron. Glucose isn't that what's in a Snickers? Well, yeah, <laughs> that's not what you want to not, eat. That. Not the same it, kind it'll, of glucose are talking about here. It'll help, but it's not. That's not what I'm talking about when I say good food. We and by the way, a lot of people do that. They reach for some sugar. To, to pick me up, but we, there's all kinds of mechanisms that say that's not good. We're gonna get a pick me up for a short amount of time and then we're gonna go into a, a down period. So just, just realize we wanna get some good food in us. We, we wanna take care of that system. Again, this is all driven toward not only burnout, but also if we wanna perform at our best level,
1: well, and we all hear, you know, eat healthier, eat this way, don't eat that way. Um, I've actually taken it to the extreme in the last five years to solve my own health issues. Uh, I think I have probably about two PhDs without the PhD uh, in nutrition. And it's fascinating to me. It's a really fun hobby to learn um, about how genuinely nutrition affects the body. And there's a great book out there. Uh, Ron and I have both. I listened to it on audiobook. I'm not sure if you read it or listened to it, but it's uh, by Aubrey Marcus, who I just love, uh, called "Own the Day, Own Your Life." And there's just some fun stuff in there. He's super funny, uh, from how to have great sex to how to drink a bulletproof coffee in the morning. Like he, but he gets into the science of food and nutrition which I love in a super fun way. So if you want like an introductory and some habit changing things that are fun, Aubrey Marcus, will put it in show notes, own the day, own your life. Um, for me, I think the way I think of it, I love thinking about things scientifically, right? So uh, I'm a big uh, food grower and you think about it this way, right? If you've ever grown anything, even a plant inside your house, you've heard N, PK, right, the initials for nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, if your plants start having issues, their leaves turn yellow, their stems are thin and weak, uh, they start getting brown spots, it's this really fancy dance of nutrients, right, our bodies are the same way. If plants die with not enough nutrients, or the wrong nutrients, right, right, they have problems. They get sick. They get cancers. They die.
0: So you tell me if I eat McDonald's way. every day, that's not good?
1: That's probably not <laughs> going to get you anywhere, Ron. Uh, and I'm going to go back to any of you that take Tums. Please, please ditch the Tums. I know that they help in the moment. You are killing your body. Do a little bit of research on why Tums. Just Google, why are Tums bad for me?
0: Oh, just uh, yeah,
1: so bad, so 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 bad.
0: I think I ate those like candy for for way too many years.
1: You would have noticed all the problems happening. Oh. And, but yes. Uh, so think of it that way. Think of nutrition and water as if we didn't water and nutritionize our plants. If that's a word, um, <laughs> they would die and have have cancers. We're the same way.
0: Talked about the mental side of it a little bit with gratitude, um, and we talked a fair amount about reframing the story. That's going to be in the category of, of maybe the mental side of it and, and how we can, we can work uh, to combat um, burnout. But then there's the emotional side. So you want to you wanna look for opportunities to get some play um, into your life and maybe some creativity. You know, I, I do paint my number right now. Uh, and this, was, this has been a new thing with COVID. Uh, I never did it before, and I absolutely love it. I always felt like there was an artist within me with no talent. And I still I still kind of believe that. So paint by numbers a great way for me because I have no talent, but I still feel like I'm I'm becoming this. Maybe I'm I'm being a I'm playing the part of an artist. So it's been fun to do that. Uh, maybe you look for things, whether it's playing a musical instrument or whatever to to unplug from you know the technology and 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 the doom scrolling, you know the social media get away from those screens and do something where you're painting or you you know, maybe it's pottery, uh, you know, something creativity or creative like that. Maybe it's writing. I'm, I'm writing a book right now. So that can be something as well. And I always feel like when I do that, I feel recharged. And so I try to, you know, build that into my day where I'm going to say, okay. And I put it into my schedule. Okay. This is my hour for painting. And, and by the way, I like to throw that in between, You know, cognitive, you know, heavy lifting. So if i I got to grade some papers for an hour and then I say, okay, now I'm going to take an hour to paint and then I'm going to go back to grading papers. You know, I do things like that to cycle between stress and rest for my brain. Stress and rest, as you've probably heard me talk about on this podcast, stress plus rest equals growth. We need to have stress and rest. Not all stress is bad. We started this podcast saying chronic stress is bad. We want to avoid that. But transient moderate stress is good transient means it it comes and it goes right so we want to be able to turn it off go from a cycle of of a stress load hopefully it's a moderate stress load then we go to rest and then we do it again it's almost like we're at the gym right and we're doing repetitions to build our muscle we want to do the same thing where we turn it on turn it off turn it on turn it off that is actually good for us we are well built for this do not avoid stress in your life. There is such thing as good stress. It's called stress, if you want to look that up. Um, stress as opposed to distress. These are the two kinds of stress that we're talking about. We, we want to avoid distress as much as we can, and we also want to avoid chronic stress. We need to find moments to turn off that stress load, to turn off the sympathetic nervous system that I talked about earlier, to turn off the threat mode. We want to be able to cycle between that and and we need to. Otherwise we're gonna we're gonna go down the path of burnout. We're gonna go down the path of being unmotivated. And just all those those negative things that that do not help us perform at our best level. And so think about ways to do that. So play and creativity are big ones. Make sure that you're you know you're you're working on your relationships. I know that's hard during COVID, but, but make sure you're spending time to cultivate your relationships. I know some people that will set reminders to say, you know, every week I want to reach out to one of my friends and and just touch base with them.
1: Yeah. I I love the calendaring, right? It sounds maybe a little uh, disconnected or unemotional because we should just want to do these things, right? Repair. We We get
0: busy though, right?
1: But we get busy, but you know what? Here's the thing put it in your calendar and do it. Um, we just coached uh, a young lady earlier this week who says i I don't um, I can't find the time to do these things and I don't feel that I deserve them. And, and my advice was, put it in your calendar, the same way you would put a meeting in your calendar and give it that high of an importance level. And someone taught me this years ago and I have just started really using it in the last, especially with COVID, oh my gosh. When you're at home, more often than not, it's so easy that your whole life and your work life and your social life and your sleep time, it all blends into one never-ending day that lasts 365 days. So I have become um, very intimate with my calendar, and I sit down usually on Sunday evenings with a glass of wine, and I watch something mindless, and I just put down how I want my week to look. I have meetings, clearly. I have things I have to do, but I I, I schedule in some of the things we're talking about here. I schedule in microsteps. I schedule in a um, three hours on a Friday afternoon to go hiking because I deserve that, right? I schedule in a call to an old friend. I think this is a way to start, right? We build habits. um through accountability. And this is a great way to hold yourself accountable. And you don't have to tell anybody. Don't share your calendar with anyone. They'll never know what you're putting in there. So Or, or say, screw it. I don't care
0: what you think. Maybe that's, <laughs> a, cares, that's a better way. Right? You know? you let go of FOMO. Or, 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 or as Michael Gervais says, FOPO. He likes to use FOPO. Fear of people's opinions. Oh, Let it man. go. Let it go. You know, live your life. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to go against Tara. You don't even need to hide it. Put it out there. <laughs> Give the middle finger to people that don't well. like
1: it. I'll tell you, yeah, I haven't spent hardly any of my life caring what other people think, um, but I have a lot of friends that well, de- uh, yeah, what a lot debilitating of do. Thing. A lot of people what do. What a debilitating thing. Social yeah, media is think. built on this. It's Just get rid on, of it. It's built on comparison
0: Man. and built on what do people think of me. You know, you keep mentioning this micro steps. Another book, if you want to check it out, one of the books that I have my, my students read is called Tiny Habits by mm, Dr. B.J. Fogg. Uh, and he is quite honestly he's um, amazing well he's I think he's done a lot of the original research that maybe Ariana is actually um, kind of using in her book as well but he's done a lot of the original research on this idea of make these habits small do little things instead of these big daunting things that, that uh, Tara said earlier usually lead us to failure and then we we don't feel good about ourselves so start small do little things, find, you know, your success, you get empowered and then grow from there. So I think micro steps or tiny habits, whatever one you want to call. So some of these things may not be, you know, obvious. And so hopefully we've, we've taken you on a journey today to help you maybe think about behavioral change at the end of the day, nothing changes. If nothing changes, right? This is great. We, it's fun to listen to somebody that inspires us or motivates us and then it, it just dies, right? And we do nothing with it. Uh, whether it's a podcast or a, a TED talk or, or whatever it is. maybe you know uh, it could be anything, right? It, we, we get all fired up and then and then it dies. It dies on the vine. and we need to water that plant and we need to we need to keep that alive and say, I'm gonna make changes. I'm gonna do something different because of what I heard on this podcast. So that's my challenge to you, is find one thing. Don't find 10, find one thing from this podcast that you say, that makes sense, I wanna try that. And I like to say, try it. If it doesn't work for you, that's great. But give it an honest chance. Don't Don't give up after a day. I always like to say give it a, give it a few weeks um, where you're actually very actively trying to change this. See what kind of benefits you get from it because more than likely, um, I'm confident all the stuff we threw out there today, uh, there's some things in there that you will find benefit in. I, there's no doubt in my mind. So try it, and, and that's how we change, and that's how we get better, and that's how you know we live a better life.
1: And we would love to dive deeper with you. Uh, go to our website, which is forgingmetalpodcast.com, um, how to work with us. We'd love to uh, work with you either one-on-one or in groups. We do a lot of group or teams, especially in, in corporations and businesses, bringing some of these discussions to light, right? Um, Or if you want to do a deeper dive on what we've been talking about today, we actually extend out on June 10th um, what the discussion was today, working with stress, anxiety, and fear in order to live a better and more fulfilling life. And that's on June 10th. We'll throw that uh, link to that event. It's a three-hour workshop. We'll throw that in the show notes and we'd love to see you there. But I love what you said, Ron. Start with one thing. Just make a commitment to one thing and do it for 30 days.
0: Make it small, get your micro steps, your tiny habits and and run with it and let us know. We'd love to hear from you and say, you know, how are things going? You know, reach out to us on social media and let us know how that journey's going as you learn mental toughness, resilience and grit and become just, just a better person because of that.
1: Thanks for joining us this week. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell all your friends. If you didn't, let's just forget this happened and we'll try again next week. Until then, join the revolution to forge metal and connect with us on social media.